All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. Let me invite next Lidi Lesebati, who is Provincial Director of Operations of Salga in Limpopo. Ms. Sebati, good morning to you and thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Kathy, with your listeners on SAFM, and thank you so much for having me on your show. I want to talk about the process that is unfolding as we have this conversation. Many, of course, would ask why it is that, you know, we need the election of um, different NEC members, as they called for an organization like SALGA. Speak to us about why things happen that way in the organization. Look, firstly, it's important to understand the establishment and the mandate of SALGA as an organization. We are an organ of state that is established constitutionally to represent all 257 municipalities countrywide. And we know that municipalities as organs as well and in a sphere, a distinct sphere of government, has got political and administrative representation. So in order to collectively be able to implement the mandate that SALGA is established for, you do need representation from the vast um, categories of municipalities. And I need to emphasize that, that it is not just representation of municipalities, but the different categories of municipalities are represented. That is your locals, your district, and your metro municipalities. And this year marks a change in how we actually are emphasizing and uh, our, our focus on the support by being inclusive also intentionally of the other political parties, which you will see emerging out of the meeting as they announce the representation. Because when I walked out of the meeting, the NEC nominations had already been concluded and they were about to elect the, um, what we call the NOBs, National Office Bearers, in the presidency. Um, the four incumbents of the presidency. So I'm not privy to it now because the process is underway mm-hmm. and I'm quite excited of the outcomes. <laughs> <laughs> so so this idea then, just based on, on, on of what you're saying, that over the years what we have seen is perhaps representation at least for the political uh, officials that are part of the NEC that mm. are maybe predominantly from one organization. Mainly because the dominance of political representation in the nine provinces was from one political organization. So we have recognized and embracing the fact that the country is moving more and more towards a multi-party state. Mm. And we are being proactive in embracing that um, inclusion or that change. Um, We don't want to be caught with our pants down, but we want to be cognitive of the fact that the political landscape is changing. And as an organ that is on the ground, that is um, actively on the ground, we are saying we cannot ignore the phenomenon that is changing. We are moving with the change. And as Salga, we have always been that organ that has always been there and um, embracing the reality as they develop. Let's talk about the process of elections and the nominations process. These are uh, processes that myself and perhaps even some of our listeners are not privy to. For so sure. how does it all work? So how it works is that the nine provinces convene their various uh, conferences prior to this particular one. And there are clear outlines within our constitution that explains how that process goes about. So let me say that one of the key um, directives in as far as uh, the nomination or the, the, the conference being convened 
is that all members that um, are eligible to serve in the executives of each provinces have to be members in good standing which means and as an organization we collect our levies and for you to be able to stand in office you have to have uh, your, your levies being paid up in the particular provinces, in the respective provinces. So each municipality gets to have a representation um, in the conference and then they get to elect their own individual PECs and nominate members that will then serve and be forwarded to come and serve in the NEC. So each one of the nine conferences have had their own conferences up to now and they have forwarded names to this particular conference with the exception of KZN that uh, processes are still unfolding for them to forward their nomination and provision has been made for, for, for KZN to then forward their own nominees to be included in the NEC at a later stage. So we process different uh, documentation, we talk about the report backs of how we have performed over the past five years, how we have performed from an administrative point of view politically and financially. And for the record, we would want to disclose that we are sitting on a 10th clean audit straight 10 years in a row as an organization, and we have been able to report that in this particular session and in the other nine sessions that we've had in the various provinces across the country. Mm. So, so when it comes to the, the nominations that are coming through uh, from the provinces, because I, I, I'm listening to you explain um, the the process of, of nominations, etc. Sounds very much like an organisation that we all know about. You know, there's so many similarities there. So, do certain provinces have different weightings, or is a province allowed to nominate only X amount of uh, people for certain positions? You mean for the national province? Yes, for the national leadership. We are all given the same um, quotas. Okay. All of us have to forward three names. So the one name is an automatic name of the provincial chairperson, who's an automatic NEC member. And then the other two will then sit in to still be nominated in particular portfolios, whether in the presidency or in the chairman of the other, what we call working groups, that are particularly focused on the key performance deliverables of municipalities across the country. Mm -hmm. So you'll have the... 27 membership, which is three uh, per province of the nine province, makes 27. So of the 27, four will go to the presidency. So our presidency consists of a president and three deputies. So that is the three. And then the rest of them will then go into the different portfolios that uh, we can give you details of a little later stage. Mm. Yep. When it comes to the criteria of these individuals, I've, I've found that a lot of them would be former mayors or have held different kinds of positions within the local government space. Is that a, a requirement or is it just beneficial if one has that experience? You remember, Kathy, that in municipalities to serve in a council, you have to be a councillor nominated by the people in that particular municipality. So all our NEC members are councillors themselves. So what our constitution explains very clearly is that to be eligible to serve in any of our structures, you have to be a councillor. We're not saying you must be a mayor, we're not saying you must be a speaker, we must, we're not saying you must be in a particular office, but your legibility is based on the fact that you are a nominated councillor. Mm. Yeah. Given the fact that you know you have such a broad NEC that has many members, what do they all do? Um, because again, there's the political aspect of it in terms of representation, but you also are a fully functioning entity administratively. So, so, so what does everybody get up to over the five-year period? <laughs> 
the most important thing that we need to recognize is that our structure administratively as SALGA is structured in a way that talks to the type of support as mandated by the constitution that we must provide to our municipalities. So we will have the different portfolios that talks to infrastructure, that talks to corporate services, that deals with human resource uh, issues, salaries, and remunerations of both councillors and administrators. We'll talk to the social ills of the country, we'll talk to economic development, we'll talk to finances, and we'll talk to council support. So our structure as SALG administratively is set up in that way. So because our mandate is saying we must lobby on their behalf, we must provide support, we must collaborate on their behalf, we must bring them services that would then resource the challenges that are there in local government. Mm -hmm. We do that both for the administrative component and the political component. And as you're well aware that administratively, we then run all administrative issues that needs to be put in place for our councillors to then voice out, to then advocate on our behalf, to then process through the different structures, whether it's political or it's communities. Because remember the way we structures, we structured administration is not the interface of government and the people mm. because we are not elected but we are appointed through a human resource a recruitment process. So the work that we do is then processed by the politicians with our communities. So in this case, provinces will then take their own constituencies through the different processes and pick up the challenges and you know the recommended strategies if there are any and bring them to the administration for us to then run our research and our processes and engage with different stakeholders to then sit around the table with them and negotiate with them and explain to them the processes and come up with ways and systems to resolve local government problems. And then our politician will then run their own processes of engaging further. I'll give you an example. The issue of some of the employees of municipalities that are at the top slice, the municipal managers and the directors responding to them. We've been advocating for quite a substantial period of time for policy regime change around their appointments and their term of office to mm -hmm. stabilize local government. So we run the research and justify our case and compile the necessary documentation and present such matters to our councillors. And then they have to then engage policy up to parliament level. So we cannot come to parliament or to the NCOP and do the representation, but our politicians are the ones who are mandated to do such processes. So those are just some of the things that mm. we get up to in the five years. There's a lot of work, Kathy, that goes into what you're seeing as, as SALGA. We're not just a colorful organization, but there's a lot of work that goes behind to make sure local government in South Africa remains competitive. And hence, you're able to see us being able to have a seat at the United Cities of local government internationally, it was not just a token of appreciation, but it was a recognition of the work that we do as local government South Africa. So, and I know that this is going to be a difficult question to ask somebody like you because you are more involved in the administrative processes. Yeah. And, and I don't have a shadow of a doubt that uh, somebody like yourself is putting in a lot of long hours and, uh, you know, to, to be able to keep the organization going. But when we look at, let's say, the schedule of somebody who is part of the NEC, right? Mm -hmm. do, do they draw full salary from Salga firstly? And give me an example of maybe what a typical term, and by term I mean maybe from January to March, what would this person have done? What is on their diary really? Or is it just like, is it vague um, that okay, these are the things that have come from an office such as yours administratively mm -hmm. that you then pass on 
to to the member that is representing you on on the other arm uh, and so it's up to them really uh, to, to to pursue and follow through with as as they see <laughs> as they see fit <laughs> without any clear deadlines timelines how does it work <laughs> okay um we we're not just organized local government in paper we're a very organized and structured organization we have a calendar of events that's the first thing that we develop monthly or ideally quarterly but then because things are changing quite uh, rapidly we have the monthly now and we also have an annual calendar that clearly tells you when the formal sittings are in the provinces and at a national level so there is that calendar and then there are those activities that build up into the calendar itself so some are structured some are rapid and hence you have a vast representation of them so that when the key person is not available you then are able to have someone who can step into their 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 feet let me give you an example you will have a a key deliverable around remuneration of councillors that needs to be engaged so there's a process you have to go through and there are people you need to engage so you'll have like i mentioned that we are structured in a way that talks back to the key performance in uh, deliverables of municipalities so you'll have a particular councillor who is being elected to particularly proceed proceed over that particular indicator so there'll be activities that says there has to be talks with the local labor forums local labor forums which are at a municipal space we then call out those people and we communicate with that particular councillor and we schedule a meeting based on their availability of course because we do recognize that they have a fundamental responsibility at the particular municipality where they are elected then we engage with them at that point in time and let me say that that is informed the, the activities at the inception level is informed by the outcomes dates so because quarterly we meet so we must make sure that right at the beginning of the quarter those engagements are taking place at a local level at a provincial level at an interprovincial uh, inter level and then we then build into what gets to be discussed at a national level in the collective NEC mm -hmm. there is quite a structure because it might not just be um, municipal employees that needs to be consulted there'll be other structures and stakeholders that gets to be consulted during the process so that you have a sense of what um, the sector is looking for you get a sense of what is actually happening within the space of remuneration so you'll talk to the different seaters as well you'll talk to the various organizations that you need to engage with for you to ultimately get there and all that we do in recognition of the schedules they have and the schedules that we have to in order for us to meet our deadlines so what you will see is that that also ultimately talks to the framework that we have adopted here yesterday mm -hmm. because then in that framework we are saying this is the promise we made at the beginning of the term and uh, we would annually have been reporting on our progress if we have challenges we come here and we tell them of our challenges and then they send us back and tell us what else to do and we go out there we research and we look on who to talk to what our points of references are whether it's document or stakeholders we then collate all that information and we bring it here to report on the process that we would have actually engaged I, I just want to then take a look at what the challenges often that that exist are because the sense I'm getting from the officials that one has spoken to over the last three days is that Salga is doing the best that it can to support municipalities 
and yet the reality of what we're seeing of the state of municipalities speaks to in some instances municipalities that are dysfunctional that are distressed so where is the disconnect because Salka puts up its hand and says look we have been doing our work um, but the, the proof of the pudding doesn't seem to be there in the eating I'll give you a practical example um, of some of the issues that are really bringing us into disrepute. And I'm in no way justifying the dysfunctionalities mm. of some of our members. And uh, to be honest with you, we've also been taken to task on why we are on 10 years straight clean audit, but we're not able to produce that in municipalities. Salga is not a regulatory organization, but we are a support organization. Let me put emphasis to that. Now, I want to bring you back to a scenario where we're having most of the challenges in municipalities and how that relates to some of the functions that we have as a municipality. The function that municipalities have is established in relation to the function that other spheres of government have. And we have had to have to um, find a way to continue providing services, even in areas that we're not necessarily mandated to because it is the responsibility of local government to make sure that our people continue receiving their services. So you will note that over the past three, four years, we've really been emphatic about the, separate, the separation of duties between what local government does, what provinces does, and what national government has. Unfortunately, our people are not really into whether this is a function of, government, of province or national. They are in need of that service, and the people that are closest to them are us as local government. So we have found ourselves having to run in between and negotiating and having to create stability in our, pro in our municipalities mm. on services in most cases that are not necessarily ours. But then explain, explain that to me okay. um, so, so that we understand better what some of these services are. Let me give you an example of roads. Mm. Roads and uh, that the functionality of the provision of the road infrastructure in the country is divided according to the categories of roads. So you will have an N1 that runs through a particular town, and when that particular, you, you, you need to go and just think about and visualize the N1 in any city across the country. I know you've traveled everywhere. And you look at the state of that road, and you look at the state of the other adjoining roads to it. The state is not the same, because the categories are not the same, because they're categorized according to the spheres of government that it should be responsible for. So such kind of services are not necessarily the functions of local government, but are functions of the other spheres of government. The same with water. There are cases where water is a function of a local municipality and a function of a district. But then that is not clear to our communities. And one of the key areas we've resolved on is to come up with a program that capacitates our communities to know and understand the functions of the different um, spheres of government. Schools are not a function of uh, municipalities, they're a function of provinces. Hospitals are not a function of municipalities, they're functions of um, provinces. Police stations, it's a national competence, it's not mm -hmm. a municipal competence. But when our communities are in need of those services, they come to us because we are the ones closest to the people. And, and let me take this opportunity to then say to our people that that is the reason why the, pres the president is forever talking to us about the district development model, to say let us be collaborative in the way that we're doing work. Because the fiscus that runs all these three spheres of government are from the same source, and the targeted audience and beneficiaries are the same. Mm -hmm. you are to, to all of us, you are neither in the province, national, or in a community. You reside in a residence that is located within a particular 
um, municipality within the country of South Africa in a particular province. So our target is you and not someone who is divided into the three spheres of government. Mm. What you're saying is, is important because even though there is this distinction that local municipalities would pay attention to, that SALCA of course would, be, would pay attention to, there is an expectation, and I think it's a somewhat reasonable expectation, that if the hospital is not working and we have a mayor, this mayor has the kind of power and influence that he can then reach out to those, whether at a provincial level, who can ensure that this problem is fixed. So again, often the perception is that these individuals that are part of this community, as you've elaborated, that see the state of the roads that perhaps do not fall under uh, you know, the sphere of local government, that see the state of facilities, police, schools, etc., aren't necessarily proactive in helping to provide solutions, even if they're not the ones that are responsible for fixing the school or fixing the hospital. But there certainly is an expectation that they must be at the forefront of driving those processes to get solutions. Definitely, um, and understandably so, Kathy. Understandably so, because these are services that people are receiving or supposed to be receiving on a daily basis. And when our councillors come out to campaign, they come out to, to promise our people that these are the kind of services that we'll be able to provide. Because remember, municipalities are an organ of state. Let's not forget that. Municipalities are part of the organs of state, which means they interconnect. They are part of the connection. They are part of the full value chain of the country. So because when you look at the different mandates, for the establishment of the different spheres of government. It's a service-orientated connection between the three of them. And as per service that has been provided, each one of the spheres has been given a particular responsibility that it's supposed to render. For instance, I mean, a, municipality, a, a, a hospital won't run effectively without water. It won't run effectively without electricity. And who must provide those? It's us. You cannot build a hospital without being provided a properly demarcated site. And the people to make that available are the municipalities. But the establishment of that particular facility is a responsibility of public works on behalf of the Department of Health. And for nurses to be there, it's a responsibility of the Department of Health to be made available. Mm -hmm. But for those nurses to be able to render the service, they need residential allocation, and that's a responsibility of local government. So we are interconnected, independent spheres of government clearly mandated constitutionally and with extensive policies that explains our responsibility and our budgetary allocation and what is expected of each one of us. So you'll go to the Department of Health, you'll find the proper organizational structures put in place with the people that are occupying those positions, doctors, nurses, administrators, supply chain management processes that are clearly in place for the department to a particular hospital that is supposed to effectively and efficiently make sure that proper services are offered in that particular a hospital and you have a municipality that has a responsibility to make sure that services are being provided in that space. Do you find that the, the disconnect again arises as a result of expectations, unmet expectations and sometimes it is the very councillors who are part of these processes that are guilty of setting unrealistic expectations of communities when they are trying to go for that vote. So there's no councillor that goes out during campaigning and says, 
yes, we want to improve education, but know that it is a sphere of the national or provincial government. Nobody says that. They all go out there saying, we are going to improve health care. We are going to improve the, you know, the, the state of the roads. We are going to deal with crime, knowing very well mm-hmm. that these are matters that they are able to influence but are not in the direct sphere of their control. Kathy, I'll give you a hypothetical example. <laughs> when you propose marriage to me, you don't tell me that in the Mutlasana family there's a crazy one, um, they are illiterate. You don't tell me that information. You just tell me, you know, we are this family. You create a very good impression. And you would have negotiated with your family that I'm bringing someone in, you know, and uh, this is the impression that we're going to create. Look, we are an interconnected state. So if our councillors go out to campaign, they're campaigning for the collective state. And hence, in the beginning of our interview, you did explain, I want me to explain to you how we elect our councillors. And I explained to you how they are connected in the different spheres of government. So we're not presenting an independent state of government independent of the other ones. We explain ourselves very clearly that we are part of a value chain within the system. So even when they go out to campaign, the campaign does not begin at a time where they're in front of a community and there's local government uh, uh, conferences or sorry, elections. But it's a collective political organization's thinking and mandate that is connected together and that is representing a state it wants to present to the people. But but not all political parties agree on, on issues of policy. So again, the, 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 the assumption is that, you know, in a world where the ANC had the majority of votes, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But we are not in that world anymore. Okay. And so if you have a, a councillor that is promising things that are not within their sphere of influence to deliver, mm-hmm. how do you as Salga address that? And do you call it out? So if we take, for example, the issue of land, which is a big one for this country, right? Mm-hmm. And you talk about you know, the ongoing debate of, of expropriation without compensation. And you have a councillor that says to local communities, we will expropriate X, Y, Z land and give it to you to build houses. Is that a, 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 a promise that is within the realm of local government to deliver within the realm of this councillor to deliver. That's really what, what I'm trying to get to the heart of. That are we do we have councillors that make promises in line with what they constitutionally are enabled to do? Remember, like I explained again, Kathy, uh, um, when you make reference to the principle and constitutions you are referring to the bigger organization that these people are a part of value chain of in terms of service. So when a councillor says to people that we will deliver to you land that is recompensated to you for this particular development, they will be particularly referring to the component of the value chain that they are responsible for. So when land is being made available, the National Department will then release that piece of land. But for water and electricity and this and that and that to be provided for, we as local government take our part. So as, we, as they campaign, that is what they're making reference to. 
that when this land is being made available, we will make sure that this particular type of service is being made available to you. Because nationally, even if they were to promise that we will give you land, that land is located in a particular local municipality. And services that talks to that particular need of service that will ultimately serve from that land that is being restituted to our communities will have to have been made available. So I hope you understand the context within which they will then say to people, we will make sure there is electricity, we will make sure that there is free housing. Housing is not our component, it's not our competency, it's a provincial competency. But our people do have a right because they are part of the value chain, because the house will be delivered by a province, but water has to be available, it's a district function. Electricity has to be reticulated, it's a local government function. So that's the bigger picture of what we're trying to, to, they're talking to. Hence I mentioned that the district development model talks to particularly that, that let's recognize as government that we are one organization and we are part of a full value chain system. And we need to take responsibility for the work that we do because ultimately our fiscus comes from one source that services the whole full value chain. And you can't divorce yourself from part of the value chain because you bring about a disjuncture. Hence, you will hear other political parties talking about possibly the same thing, but they will give you a different uh, picture. But all of us need the same type of services, and the different spheres of government are established to render different services of that component to complete that particular type of service. Lidile Sebati is the Provincial Director of Operations at Salga Limpopo. Thank you so much uh, for your time. It sounds like uh, they've gone for a bit of a uh, tea break, so you may have missed uh, the and, uh, nominations and any elections that are taking place. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on and for having this conversation with us. It's 11 o'clock on the other side of this. Don't forget, it's our Friday wind down. Today we're in conversation with Mam Gloria Bosman. I'm looking forward to it. And for now, it's 11 o'clock.